Welcome back to the Talking Points podcast, everyone. It's me, Tomo. It's Aldas. It's Hayden. Matt is not here, but don't worry. There's four of us, so you're always going to get a Talking Points podcast every single week. Don't you worry. Don't forget to drop a like as well on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're listening in audio only, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you choose to consume your audio only podcast, plus five stars. Give us a nice comment. Tell Aldas how smooth his forehead is because it is very smooth. I've seen it in real life many a time. <laughs> um, boys, we are here to talk all about Dutch Grand Prix at Zandy, Zandvoort. And let's first of all start with qualifying because why not? Um, Aldas, that was pretty good. All within it, what, top three within a tenth? I thought it was pretty balls to the wall. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I believe like the closest uh, fight for pole like all season. So it was quite amazing, actually. And Red Bull, especially on the back foot, uh, Max Verstappen after FP1. So it was good that he kind of brought it back. But classic Zandvoort, classic Formula 1, like even a little bit of controversy. Uh, was it Flairgate, Sergio Perez also spinning out at the end and... Uh, a bunch of uh, F1 Twitter, a bunch of F1 Twitter were like analyzing Lewis's lap, like, oh, you would have been on pole position. So, yeah, we just love the drama, don't we? But uh, I will admit, I only watched the qualifying actually, uh, only the qualifying highlights. So uh, I didn't highlight see all of it, but it, highlight. Exactly. I was, I was racing at the that time. Role. <laughs> I was racing, mate. And uh, so yeah, what can I say? But no, it was. Um, I think qualifying delivered actually, and again, it, it showed that genuinely we did have kind of three teams in the running for the win, and it was all going to come down to who would uh, nail the strategy. Yeah, because I think. I think Hayden like Zanville was probably one of the most exciting qualifying sessions of the year because there's just no room for error. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a, as much as it's not great for overtaking, it's got a lot of character to the track. Yeah, it's one of those tracks where I think people might give it stick just because maybe there's not as much overtaking compared to other circuits. But when you watch it on board of it and the car flowing through the corners and just, there's no time to really breathe and think around that circuit. So to watch an on board lap, especially in qualifying, is incredible and you're gonna get these guys make mistakes and even we saw it in the race with the drivers just like a little bit offline you know they're running the risks of putting it into the barrier so Zanvor, you know yeah okay the the racing might not be as good as maybe some other circuits but the on onboard laps are just incredible around here and and the pigeons are uh, are good too yes we had the pigeons we had the flares i mean we had massive track evolution as well right because of mm-hmm. the sand that gets blown over um from the beach so i i think fr- from a saturday point of view i think Zanville was one of the strongest i i think typically it's quite hard to find a track that delivers just as much excitement in qualifying as it does in the race i guess because like monaco and Zanville, i think really good qualifying a bit stale in the race but then i suppose last week we thought spa was going to be an absolute banger ended up being a bit of a damp squib but this i don't race, know about that i don't know about that. i thought, I thought well, spa was good I, well, you, was I had a lot of fun at Spa. It, yeah, but you were there, Hayden, so yeah. you had a different perspective. I mean, it was it wasn't the Spa. Uh, okay, let's talk about it briefly. It wasn't Mate, the. Esteban Ocon did I, I think two double overtakes. <laughs> he did. It, it, it was built up to be something bigger than it ended up being. I think. No, no. Maybe, what maybe I actually said that. on the pod, what I said on the pod last week is that if you ignore Max Verstappen, he had he was going to win it regardless of where he started. If you ignore <laughs> yeah, every, Max Verstappen, every British fan <laughs> everywhere just ignore Max Verstappen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you just ignore what British Max did, if, you, if that's what was boring, like we had so many different teams in the points, we had so many amazing overtakes, and why did it? Like I said, why did everyone change their engines at Spa? Because you can overtake there. They could have they could have just changed their engines here, but they didn't. So yeah, I'm de- I'm defending Spa. I'm defending Spa. Uh, the spa defect. Well, let us know in the comments below. Not that we're to- meant to be talking about spa today, but did you think <laughs> spa was a letter down or did you think it was good? I mean, it's all engagement at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, obviously, Zanvoort on to race day. 
And the uh, first thing I want to ask you boys, actually, because we saw this in the F2 uh, sprint race, pole starts on the outside going into turn one. Um, in the sprint race, what Marcus Armstrong was able to capitalise, but then Max proved in the race that if you have a good enough start, even though he started on pole, he was still able to hold on to it at the start. Like, Hayden, do you think do you think it's a uh, do you think they should change that up, or do you think they should keep? Well, it if the, the pole's on the outside, for, for the meme. If it's on the left-hand side, then that's the racing line. So you're going to have more mm -hmm. grip going down into turn one. So yeah, you might not have the inside line. You're a little bit further ahead, obviously, due to your grid slot compared to the guy alongside you. And you have got the better grip on the racing line. Because like you say, the sand blows over onto the tracks. So there's going to be less grip on that inside line for P2. So no, I don't think it necessarily needs to be changing. Plus, you're already throwing it into the racing line. So say you do get a good start. You've got a clear run through turn one. You don't have to worry about the driver behind because you can just take that normal, natural line through that corner. Um, yeah, if the guy in P2 manages to get a great start, he's on the inside, but we see it at so many different circuits. So I don't think it's necessarily a problem. I think I'd rather have... Yeah, I'd rather have a grippier side than have the run into the inside of the corner, mm. I think. Because I feel like Zanvoort is one of the few tracks on the calendar where there are quite a few corners where there are genuine... Genuinely multiple lines. We saw that last mm. season when Alonso overtook loads of people. I think Cordiel did it in, in F2 as well. Like I think the first lap at Zanville out of us, I think is like one of the most excited. And I was surprised we didn't actually see any any shunts this year. Yeah, that first lap is always chaos because like you said, there are multiple corners where you can kind of go side by side, uh, do different lines. Uh, we did see, I think K-Mag went off, I think it was on the second uh, mm -hmm. on the second lap, but even then, again, the track is dusty, he just kind of made a little bit of a mistake and kind of almost, like, I think he touched the barrier, but he kind of squared, like, squared on uh, into the barrier, so he kind of got away with it, but yeah, that first lap is always chaos, I mean, even Lewis kind of looking down the inside of Carlos Sainz, they did make contact, which was just unbelievable, but yeah, luckily no, um, luckily no early uh, race retirement for Lewis there, but yeah, it just, it's one of those tracks where it just invites ascend, I think, because the racing line is actually quite wide on some of the apexes. It's not always about just, you know, nailing the apex. It's about carrying the speed through a corner, and that helps, uh, especially when you're trying to dive down the inside when you see an opportunity. So, yeah, it's again, it's one of those tracks where, yes, it's difficult to overtake, but it doesn't, it's not as if there aren't opportunities to gain places, and some drivers definitely uh, took advantage of that. Yeah, I, I think as time goes on and, and the field hopefully starts to kind of converge in terms of, um, pace we should see more exciting Dutch Grand Prix because I mean you can't also just a quick one on, on the on the atmosphere yes obviously there's a few you know knobheads who chuck uh, flares on the track but I, I don't I think you can't let that um, that represent the overall kind of mad mm -hmm. I mean Hayden your missus is Dutch you know she, she knows more than anyone what the the, the, the following for Max Verstappen is over there he's also well, isn't he, what is he now a uh, uh, Officer. Didn't he get like an o officer. officer? I don't know what that converts to over officer in like OBEs of sirs or lords or stuff like that. So I don't know what that, <laughs> that converts to, but it's it's a similar sort of honour from um, the royal family, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's like an OBE, yeah. Max Verstappen. Because what is the... I, I know obviously you're, you're in the Netherlands a lot, Hayden. Like, What is the kind of... From from a media TV, obviously Ziggo don't cover it anymore. But there's is it Viaplay now? Like it, it seems to be ninety nine percent of everyone there was was flying the Dutch flag. Surely, well the orange anyway. I I think for, for them it, it's I think for it, we we don't necessarily see it over here because we've always had a British driver who is maybe mm. not been on top but at least been around or up there. I think 
So that's why, you know, I'm very patriotic. I will always support the British drivers. And of course, I've got my soft spot for Lance Stroll as well. But I will always back. I will always be looking for a British driver. You know, I'm a big fan of Lance Stroll, but he will never replace Jensen Button for me. Jensen Button was the first guy that got me into the sport properly. And he was British. So like that's that's I think the sort wow. of similar thing for people coming into the sport you know, I don't think it was a big hype for F1 in the Netherlands for before mm. Max got into it. I think obviously people did used to watch. And for those people, they're just in this new awe of this driver who is able to actually compete after watching it for so many years and being able to watch a driver from their home country winning mm. and winning a championship. And obviously they're going to be elated. But it's also brought in a new fan base. Femme got into Formula 1 in 2016. So around the time that Max moved to Red Bull and the hype really started mm. to build up, the hype was there in 2015, but it really started to pick up when he was winning races and driving for Red Bull. And I think it's a similar story for a lot of people from the Netherlands. It was promoted a lot more and everybody was talking about it. And it's just now become this massive vibe where you have people going to, like, filling it in Austria, in Belgium. You know, I was, in, I was, at, I was at the Belgian Grand Prix and it was just orange everywhere mm. as well. You know, it's just these fans go around Europe and they just love it at the moment. How long this will last, I don't know. Because if it follows a similar trajectory with how uh, maybe British fans sort of see, where they still support their driver, but I wouldn't say British fans are that much, you know, behind Lewis, George, Orlando compared to the Verstappen fan base. How long will it last? I hope it lasts because I think it's a really cool atmosphere that they bring. Yeah, because I I think that there's not, uh, isn't it? Isn't it out of us that every single Dutch podium in Formula One has either been Max or Jos, I think? I think so, probably. Yeah, that sounds about right. But it's just, I think there's always been like an appetite for motorsport in that country. But I think I've said this with American drivers, actually. Even though we do have an American team in Formula One, nothing captivates a nation than having a driver like from their nationality in Formula One. And a successful one as well. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, Hayden just asked the question, how long is this going to last? I think it's going to last literally until Max leaves the sport because they're selling out. They're not they're not just selling out Zandvoort. They're selling out stadiums like you said, you know, the Orange Army in other tracks as well. Like mm. that's that's just the popularity of this guy and ultimately, I think in the UK, you know, we we joke about British bias all the time, uh, rightly so. Um but um I think in the UK like when you go to Silverstone, there are a lot more like fans, you know, Lewis fans, Lando mm-hmm. fans, like a ma- huge amount of Red Bull fans. Obviously, Ferrari fans as well. Whilst, you know, as Anvor, it is concentrated around Max, which is just, it just makes it a different kind of environment. Almost like, I actually would almost say it's more, it's more like Monza and Ferrari. Like, that's, that's kind mm. of what it reminds me of. Because in Silverstone, like, you know, it was, it was a lot more broad. So, yeah, uh, how long is this going to last? I mean, until Max, I think, leaves the sport because he's, you know, he represents that country. He's doing a fantastic job. I mean, clearly, like, he's just driving out of his skin and he's always delivering right now. So... I don't see it changing anytime soon. And to be honest, I mean, I don't see why it should. I mean, they're buzzing, he's buzzing, and that's great for mm. Formula One. How many wins is this in a row now? Is it I think four it's like or four five? now. I think it's four, yeah. Do you think Seb's nine in a row record is uh, under threat? Do you know what the problem is? It, that Red Bull is very quick, no doubt about it, but there are certain tracks where the Ferrari can be a little bit quicker or the you know, the Mercedes might be a little bit quicker. This was an opportunity for Mercedes, as we're going to talk about. I think Monza, you know, kind of jumping ahead a little bit, I think that would be a much easier win because of, like, the straight line advantage. I think Mercedes are really going to struggle, but, yeah, it's it's so difficult. People don't realise that's why, you know, that's why it was only done one time by Seb because he was just in the total zone. That car was absolutely made for him. Mm. And I think kind of the competition didn't quite live up to live up to where they should have been in 2013. But 
I don't think he's going to be able to do it because I think Mercedes are catching in when you have Lewis Hamilton in a car. Eventually, I think he is going to get that win. And Ferrari, you know, for all of their blunders, and again, we're going to get into another blunder, they are going to get it right uh, at one point in terms of <laughs> nicking another win, I think. Hopefully. What do you reckon, Hayden? Do you reckon there's a chance? Um, I'd like to hope so of somebody else winning just to sort of make it a bit more interesting this season. But I do think there is definitely a chance that Max can... I think he can beat both... Vettel's nine in a row and also the 13 wins in a season. Both of those are possible. I think that will happen, actually. The man and machine are just working together in such harmony right now that they are unstoppable. You know, Max Verstappen right now is the best driver in Formula One and the car of Red Bull. I'm I'm massively surprised because I was one of the people at the start of the season or before the season was like, Red Bull put too much effort into last year. They're going to struggle this Mm -hmm. year. And they proved me massively wrong. They have been phenomenal this season not just in terms of making a good car because we saw a good car at the start of the season but the way they've been able to develop that and make that into a much better yeah. car and you know i i think they're still very even with ferrari in terms of maybe qualifying pace but in race pace it yeah. looks like they definitely step it up they can pull away from that ferrari and of course it doesn't help ferrari that they keep making these blunders and moves them further away from the red bull team I do, personally, I will keep on banging this drum. I want Lewis to win one race this season so he can carry on that streak of the only driver to win a race in every single season. If Lewis does that, Max can happily beat Vettel's record of 9 plus wins and 13 wins in a season. As long as Lewis gets that one weight race win this season, I'm happy. Save it for the end. Yeah, look, (laughs) I I think, like you say, it's it's, it's man-machine, but it's also man-machine strategy team pit stop team it's all of these all of these elements have to kind of coalesce and come together and obviously we saw yesterday how um pit stops can go awry i mean i didn't even clock when carlos science came in to pit um i didn't even clock that there wasn't a tire and and (laughs) someone holding a tire in that bottom corner it wasn't until it just was taking ages and then i saw sergio clatter the air gun um i mean boys it just it just writes itself <laughs> yeah it just writes itself hayden like what more it, it's the most consistent the only thing more consistent than max verstappen this year is ferrari making themselves yeah. look ridiculous yeah and and the funny thing is i, I was watching a tiktok earlier of like Charles Leclerc's season so far and it's only up until what monaco that the blunders started to happen up until then i think they were doing a really good job in terms mm. of strategy and and you know they were on it and maybe the pressure just sort of got to them of like okay we are in a championship battle because i don't remember these mistakes coming in last year but obviously when you're in the spotlight the mistakes you make are obviously going to be shown up a lot more and they're going to be analyzed a lot more so yeah maybe they did make those same mistakes last year but it just keeps on happening like how do you forget her tire like where is that where is that guy on the wheel gun who is he like going for a shit somewhere is that's what happening you know he was on the toilet they get the call and it's like where is this guy like how do you forget a tire you have one job one job and how is somebody not there like three guys grabbing the tires and being like where's where's davide who's got to get the the rear left where is he you know like surely somebody else has got to pick up on it as well i just don't understand yeah. it and the fact that the team are also a bit like, oh yeah, we don't need to change anything. And I get that. I get that from a team manager point of view. You want to keep morale up. But at some mm. point, you do need to look at yourselves and be like, we're throwing this away. And I know they've said, oh, we're not fighting for the championship this year. You've got the car to do so. Like, how are you mm, not? Yeah. Like, you're, you are throwing this away. And it's just, it's, it's, it's hard on the drivers as well because 
Yeah. They're just getting more and more and more frustrated. Like Carlos Sainz, this time again, you know, has just dropped down. He was down like, and, oh my God, over yeah, the radio. Exactly. Like, that was just a tiny bit of frustration that he was showing. And, it, and it's just, it just keeps on happening over and over again. And these drivers, you know, it just makes... It plays on their mind even worse. So then yeah. they're going to get down and then their team morale's down. And it just doesn't work for the whole team. Whereas you have other teams like Mercedes, for example. Yeah, okay, Lewis Hamilton is effing and blinding on the team radio. But Toto can take that and so can the team. And then they can sort of be like, okay, we'll we come back to the debrief. This is why this happened. Okay, everyone's happy. Yeah. We'll move on to the next one. Whereas Ferrari just kind of looks like they come back to the debrief and it just goes, what's going on? Oh, we don't know. And then that's it. I just, I'm just sick of talking about it, Aldous, mate. It's just like every yeah. single week, and you know, it's funny to a point, and then you're just like, oh, like this is, it's kind of robbed us of it. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I think, you know, even without all the strategy blunders, I still think Max is, is leading this championship, by, but but not by 100 and, was it over? It's over 100 points. 109, I think now. 109 points. 109. Like, come on, Ferrari, you man. You love? can't like... tell, like, like that car's, again, Arguably quicker in quality trim, slower in race trim. You can't be 109 points off with talents like Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, who are both like, I, I think yeah. Carlos is much closer to Charles than Sergio is to Max yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, Ferrari as well, they're only 30 points clear of Mercedes in the constructors, which just says a lot seeing as where Mercedes car was at the start of the year compared to Ferrari's. It's, it's crazy. Uh, Charles and Perez are on exactly the same points on 201. Mm. George is How is that a thing, by the way? Charles Leclerc on the same <laughs> yeah. points as Perez. Like... George is, what, 20-something 20, 20 points away from those guys? So that's just crazy Mad. to think of. That, you know, they've got a race-winning car. A championship-contending car. Maybe not a championship-winning, but a championship-contending mm. car. Definitely. And they are fighting with the team that are in Formula 1.5. I think it's a very big difference between, like fighting for a championship all season long with a car that really is good enough, or say where they are now in terms of like, if you just put Max Verstappen under pressure, if you didn't make those mistakes, yes, the Red Bull undoubtedly has been, the, the I think, the best car over the course of the season from every single track. Don't get me wrong, there's been some tracks where the Ferrari's been better, but if you put Red Bull in pressure under, if you put them under more pressure uh, towards the end of the season, you don't know how is you know you don't know how they're going to react. Are they going to crack? Maybe they'll make a few little mistakes. It just makes their strategy a little bit more difficult. It makes Max kind of you know tighten up just a little bit more. But they're not even putting him under pressure. Like the one thing I should do go back to is um Austria. Now that was a race where Charles Leclerc was like do you know dominant. He had the car was working. You know he he was he was going to win that race whatever. But even then, they kind of made like hard work of it. He had to overtake Max three times. And mm. I, I kind of thought, how is it that even when Ferrari do in a race, they win it the hard way? I mean, in what universe do you have the best car in Austria and still need to overtake Max Verstappen three times to get the win? You just know if that was the other way around with Red Bull, they would not be overtaking Charles three times. It would be once and then that's it. You know, Max would be gone. So, yeah, there's a lot of things to look back. And this is just, this is just another page in like the long book of 2022 for Ferrari and all of their kind of mistakes and things that they need to seriously sort out because, yeah, it, it's now gone beyond a joke, to be honest. Especially going into Monza next weekend as well, the home oh, of Ferrari. Um, that needs to be a good, which again, looking looking ahead, I just I just feel like this is it's going to be another <laughs> comfortable Max win. It's hard to not look yeah. at it that way. But anyway, for Zanvor, obviously going into the race, I was kind of optimistic with the, you know, two stops because it is typically difficult to overtake. So oh, two stops, good. But then you saw Mercedes going for the hard tyre, having started on the mediums. And I, I kind of this middle part of the race, there wasn't really too much going on that I remember in terms of like 
before all the shenanigans started, um, <clears throat> Yuki Sonoda, which we will. Uh, <laughs> Oh, that's that was that was interesting. Uh, seeing the reaction F1 to that on social was media trending today. again on Twitter after the race. Oh, it's pretty much a continuous thing, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, I guess yeah. Should we just talk about Yuki? Was there anything between then <laughs> and Yuki that happened really? Because it was a bit dull in the middle, wasn't it? Uh, Mate, Fern- Fernando Alonso was on smoke. Yeah, what was, do you mean? Was, he, he was making moves. It was interesting in the middle. I don't think like. To a new fan, they'd be like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" But there was a lot sort of to think about. Um, so I thought it was still. It like, was one enjoyable. of them different different strategies were yeah. going to coalesce at the end, weren't they? Yeah, definitely. I think I think yeah, Alonso coming back through the field. It was quite. It was a weird one because obviously I think not only was it his pace, but his strategy as well managed to jump Esteban Ocon uh, through his strategy. Because yeah. I was looking at thinking like, "Oh, Alonso still got to pit because he jumped up like two positions." Or three mm. positions, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Wait, no, hang on a minute." He's only a couple of seconds behind the guy he was behind before. So how yeah. has this, how has this happened? So I don't know if it was like a blunder on the side, or mm, yeah, I know Fernando definitely capitalised on the VSC there, but um, yeah, no, Fernando played his race perfectly, and, and he he smashed it. But okay, let's let's talk about Sonoda then. Um, so my understanding from what I've heard from Yuki and what AlphaTauri have said, and what the F1 stewards have said, is that. There was an issue with his differential at the back of the car, um, which obviously regulates how quickly the rear wheels turn relative to one another. Yuki thought it was a tyre issue, um, so he pulled over. Uh, basically, he he, un- he undid his seatbelt because he thought he was finished. And then the team were like, oh no, the tyres are fine, carry on. They couldn't see anything on their data. Pulled into the pits, they rebuckle his belt, which took ages. And then they changed his tyres. He was two laps down at that point, by the way. He was two laps down. Two laps down. Send him back out. And then once they've sent him back out, then they see on the data that there's an issue with the car. And then they get him to stop. So. Or was it Red Bull that made him stop? (laughs) 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 What do we think, boys? Come on out, ass. Like, looking at it and... uh, Do do you understand the reaction? And do you... what, What do you think at the end of the day? Do you think it was choreographed? <laughs> Do I think it was choreographed? <laughs> yes, it was fixed. Undoubtedly, it was all helmet Marco. Uh, no, honestly, I think, forget about the Red Bull conspiracies. I've, I've been saying that on Twitter, like, uh, it was just, you know, it was just coincidence more than anything that, you know, it helped out Max Verstappen. But I think it was massive negligence by the team more than anything. Like, Yuki misdiagnosing the problem, you know, that can happen. You don't actually know what the problem is. But, I mean, yeah, if he felt yeah. it straight away, if you're feeling something and you're going to go, you know, if Yuki felt it on that first lap and thought, well, I think the tyre, you know, is coming off, then clearly that is a, that's terminal. You're not going to race with that again. It's not, it's not. A these drivers that... are so dialed in as well in the zone, aren't they? So exactly. Yuki's going to notice that. Exactly. So even if he kind of misdiagnosed it, he thought that a wheel came off. Obviously, he just, uh, you know, exited the pits. Okay, you know, whatever. That to me, that that car is terminal. That's it. It's done. He pulls over to the side, and he thinks that his race is done. The driver actually at that point, it was him. It was Yuki that made the decision to think, yeah, that's it. You know, I'm not going to be able to continue racing. And that's when obviously he undoes his belt and begins the procedure to kind of, you know, get out of the car and uh, exit the race. And then the team all of a sudden come on the radio and say, actually, no, you can box back in, mate. We'll be able to get you back out. And then there's that long pit stop as well. But even on that in lap, like when he came back into the pits that second time. He wasn't flying around the track. Like, he was taking it super cautious. Now, whether that's because his seatbelt, you know, was undone, or maybe he actually felt the problem again at the time. The car is gone at that point. Why would you send him, why would you send him back out two laps down as well? 
And then, yeah, to me, that's the dangerous part. Like, that seriously needs to be investigated. You know, none of the none of the bollocks about the Red Bull conspiracies, but <laughs> sending a car back out that you basically knowingly know might need to be stopped, and you're also two laps down, like, that is seriously unsafe. Like, that that to me is not right in, on any level. And then, to be fair, the moment he pulled away, you can see he pulls away from his uh, pit box super slowly, so... I think it goes at that point, and if anything, they should have just told him to stop in the pit lane, like, at the end of the pit lane. They saw it straight away. The fact that he even drove as far as he did to me was just ridiculous, so massive negligence by the team. Also, to tell him to continue on once he's already undone his belts, it's just, yeah, I, I, it's a really big L for Alpha Tari, to be honest. Yeah. I can't, I can't disagree. Yeah, <laughs> true. It was just really confusing, like, when it happened, because no one really knew what was going on. And obviously, the, you know, the the F1 fix sort of thing. Like, the, yeah, they're sister teams, but they're two different teams. Like, they're, they're, it's, it's obviously it's a bit fishy. And I'm trying to think back, like, did that, was it a, did he bring out a virtual safety car in the end? And did that, because yeah, I, I know yeah. that Max pitted under the safety car and that obviously got him the jump on Lewis in the end. That was the Bottas, so yeah, it was that a virtual safety. That was the Bottas one, wasn't it? So like, he was an ex-Mercedes driver. Yeah. Bitter. Yeah. I can't remember. Like there was so much going on. It was only VSC for you, Yeah. yeah. It was only VSC. Yeah. So like I disagree a little bit with the sending a driver back out. If if the team doesn't believe that there's a problem, which they said they looked at the data, there's nothing comes up on the data, they get him back to the pit lane. Obviously he's driving slowly around the track, but I think because of the seatbelt situation. Like if he was to drive around at full pace with no seatbelts on He's a fucking maniac, okay? And I think we, I think he is a bit of a maniac, but he's not that much of a maniac. So um, he's not going to drive flat out with no seatbelts on. That's just dangerous. So he's going to come back into the pit slowly, get the seatbelts reattached. And even if they're two laps down, there can be a lot of data still collected from just turning it into a sort of test session, you know, running that car and just getting data of understanding how the car works. So I do understand why they would have sent him out, despite being two laps down. He could have a little bit of a battle with Latifi, because I'm pretty sure he was two laps down as well. Um, so, yeah. It, it, like I'm, That's what you get. Yeah, I'm not surprised Latifi. that he would have carried on, because, like I say, it could have turned into a bit more of a test session. Um, yeah. And it's just one of those coincidences. Like, he's come out... And a virtual safety car has happened. You know, it's the same as yeah. Latifi crashing in Abu Dhabi, and that brings out a safety car which helped Max Verstappen. Is Latifi paid by Red Bull? No, he's not. Yes. But yet, people still said that he was handed <laughs> loads of Red Bull for it and stuff like that, didn't they? So, it's just yeah. one of these coincidences. Yeah, I think it's so. So the way I kind of look at the situation is that, yeah, like you say, Aldas, I think AlphaTauri more more just like internally they need to understand how they could have a. There's there's a clear issue with the car. There was a clear issue that Yuki could feel if the driver can feel it, and they're so dialed in, they're so in the zone that even the slightest kind of change they're gonna they're gonna feel. So AlphaTauri need to understand why that I guess wasn't flagged earlier. Um, but also, yeah, I do agree. Like if you. The team obviously thought that, all right, if we just chuck a new set of tyres on, maybe there is a slight, you know, because sometimes just because a, a, a tyre can be incorrectly fitted and it doesn't just fly off, it can just be slightly. I mean, we've... we, we Alonso in Austria yeah. at the end of the race, that happened yeah. to him. Yeah, exactly. And it didn't just ping off. Like, it, it there, there are different ways a tyre can be incorrectly fitted. So I get that. And obviously, yeah, if nothing's coming up on the data drive drivers and, and these teams trust the data so much like you go back to the i was watching someone on sky sports he was talking about um ayrton senna when he was at tolman and they were saying like what was so good about ayrton in those in that kind of uh, the start of his career was that his feedback that was just everything because they didn't have any way of collecting data on the cars they had to rely completely on that driver mechanic relationship now it's like 
the teams arguably trust the data maybe too much, like more than the driver, because you yeah. can clearly have an issue. It's um, like actually, it's like we say with weather, like the weather, you know, they have those mm. radars and everything, but sometimes, you know, the old fashioned way of just sticking your hand out and seeing if it's raining or just looking at the clouds, mm-hmm. like looking at the track, like that, you still need that. And like, even when they, they should have been watching him on the in lap, and you could see that the car was terminal. Like, why did he stop in the first place? They, they told him that, yeah, actually, no, you don't have a loose wheel. So that means there was some kind of problem. Like, he didn't just stop for fun. Like, if they have the data yeah. to say that the wheel was not loose, then that still means there is a problem. So, but, yeah, it's just, it's again, just a weird all, one. Also, if, it was, if this was some kind of conspiracy, like, why would they just, why would they tell you to carry on? Just tell him to just leave it there like like he already pulled over why tell him to start again mm-hmm. and then stop and then start again again i, I just think you know it, it, it's one of them that look w- the one thing I, I i think you know it's personally it's a load of nonsense like, I, I don't think there's it's some like i don't think there's like helmet hell, hell making calls in the back end to franz toss right but what i do think this raises is, is i think a, a valid question is around the whole fact that there are two teams owned by red bull right because it then allows this kind of um, thing to, to to be, which which again, I understand from people's point of view, why you would like, you look at it and you think, oh, it's a Red Bull car that's broken down and it's, it's worked out for Max Verstappen. So I can see where people are coming from, but also I, I think there is a valid question there. I mean, when um, I was doing the last lap yesterday, Dan was saying that, you know, Red Bull have always kind of said internally that that AlphaTauri team is for sale if someone's going to bring enough money um, to take it. So, do you boys think, and there's a lot of talk obviously with Porsche potentially pulling out of the deal to uh, partner with Red Bull, maybe Honda coming back. I like the idea of a Honda Works team buying out AlphaTauri, like, but ultimately, do you two think, like Hayden, do you think it's an issue? Do you think it's a problem that Red Bull own two teams in Formula One? And do you think this is a, an example of how that can manifest kind of negatively among, amongst people? No. So straight up, no. I don't think it's a bad thing that Red Bull own two teams. I think it means, for me, Red Bull is the best junior program out there. And it's the only junior program out there. Because they can put their young drivers into two seats that they can utilise for a learning process, ready to put them up into the top team. Every other driver academy, Ferrari, Mercedes, Renault, McLaren... You know, all these other driver academies, can you say that they're as good? Ferrari, you know, they put in Schumacher, Schumacher's leaving, and now you think, who else is part of that Ferrari driver academy? No one who's good enough. Mercedes have got uh, Vestry, Vesti? Um, Yeah, Vesti. Vesti, yeah. And he's not good enough to come into F1. Um, And plus, there's no real seat for him to go. Maybe they can strike that deal with Williams like they did with George Russell, but it's striking deals rather than Red Bull, where it's like, you know, you sign for our driver academy. We've got two seats that we are willing to chop and change and move people around. You know, Gasly's definitely been spoken about potentially going to Alpine next season. So there is potentially a spare seat because I think Yuki will hold that seat. As for another company buying it out, I mean, Honda could be a potential because they do still have that relationship with Red Bull. They're supplying, obviously, the engines. Um, so that wouldn't be a bad thing just to rebrand it as Honda. Um I think the Porsche thing, I think that's thrown out the window. Porsche and Audi, massive rivals. The fact that Audi can have their own sort of kind of works team, build that Sauber team up and potentially turn it into a top runner is something that Porsche want to do. If Porsche take over AlphaTauri, they'll never be allowed to overtake the Red Bull team. So, if uh, so, yeah, I feel like buying out it could happen with Honda, but probably won't. But I don't think there's a problem with 
Red Bull having two teams. And personally, I'd like other big teams to have another team. If they could add, if they could open up the grid, open it up to 24, Ferrari had a junior team, Mercedes had a junior team that was run in a similar fashion to the AlphaTauri team, where it's not, you know, an extra team. It's not the same car. It's run by their own, like, an individual company, which AlphaTauri is run individually, mm -hmm. but it is backed by Red Bull. If it's run something similar like that, where, you know, it's a it's a stepping stone, a platform, I'm totally for it. That's, that's the thing as well, Adas. It's like managing that relationship. And there's always going to be a gray area because, you know, it, it would be like Man It would, to an extent, to an extent, it's kind of like Man City having like a Man City A and B team, both in the Premier League, right? To an extent, but then obviously from F Red Bull internally, and again, like we, we know, we've we've chatted to guys from Red Bull, and they say like that relationship between the two teams, there's not much of a relationship there on a day-to-day basis. It's not as basis. close as made out to be, basically. Yeah, like like you could because you could say the same. We've talked about this with Ferrari and Haas. Are, are they too close mm -hmm. together? Are they are Haas too in bed with Ferrari? Like, do you think this is any different to that? I think that yeah, it's definitely different. I mean, the, the thing about Haas is that, and Gunther Steiner always makes this point, like. The only time there's ever controversy about Haas using Ferrari parts is when they're doing good. Like, I, I don't remember, you know, people walking around, you know, last that's year true. going, you know, that 2021 uh, Haas that's at the back of the grid, you know, three seconds <laughs> off the pace. Like, you've you got some Ferrari parts on there. That's a bit bad. Um, I think the whole AlphaTauri thing, there's always been alliances in Formula One. There's alliances between, like, you know, a little bit, actually, before the Doralton money, like, there was alliances between Toto Wolff and Williams, obviously, you know, the engine thing, uh, Force India back in the day as well, when, you know, you know, Mercedes gave them the engine. So there's always been little alliances and, you know, political games in terms of, like, you know, sure. whoever supplies your engine, perhaps, you know, get a bit of a cut rate on that. Maybe you can take one of their drives in exchange as well. The AlphaTauri one is just a little bit more kind of, it's just a bit more open. Like, we know that AlphaTauri are the sister team, the B team. And we did see at points last year where, you know, they jumped because of the title, title battle, they jumped out of the way for Max and they didn't jump out of the way for Lewis. You know, that's kind of, that's how the game is played. It's simple as that. So yeah, it's not, to me, AlphaTauri isn't like a big problem. I don't think Red Bull are ever actually going to buy, um, sorry, Honda, I don't think are ever actually going to buy them, but it's just, because the problem, Honda are too, right, my dog is like kicking off. <laughs> Can you hear it's that good. by the way? It's good. Uh, that's good. People love dogs. Brilliant, my dog. Yeah, my dog's kicking off in the back. Clearly, he's not an AlphaTauri fan, but I don't think the Honda thing is ever going to happen because he's the Honda are too sketchy. Like they're in and out of Formula yeah. One way yeah. too much, so you can't trust them to like buy a team and then be there for the next ten years. Like we, just as they started winning with Red Bull, they dipped. So what can so you can't trust them with their own team. They're good as an engine manufacturer, but even then, you can't trust them too much. So yeah, I think AlphaTauri are what they are, but at least we know what they are. Yeah, no, you raise a good point. I mean, you even go back to when I watched the 2010 finale um, a little while back, like obviously v Vitaly Petrov in a Renault protected, well, protecting Vettel from, from Fernando Alonso getting past, you know, you, people people were you know pulling that um, pulling that card out at the time. And, and I guess, yeah, with F1, unless the sport gets to a stage where every single team is completely independent, there's no parts, there's no engine crossover, there's no you know, component standardized, like all oh, buy the components from this team. There's always going to be that room for, and like you say, I, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think AlphaTauri, it's just a bit more open about what it actually is, um, which was a shame because uh, as well, AlphaTauri have had a bit of a stink. I don't think they've scored points for for quite a while now. They've had a bit of a, a stinky performance recently, but um, a team that wasn't stinky, um, at least in terms of pace, was Mercedes, um, much better than last weekend, but 
let's talk about the uh, the pit stops and the strategy call. And ultimately, I, I guess in a word, Hayden, did Mercedes fuck up? Um, it's a yes and a no. Is I think it's a bit more. I asked for in one, one word. word. It's a yes and a no. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, one? that's one word. Yo. Yeah, no. <laughs> Is that well, it? Go on, that's, that's you the said, that's you that's said one word. I went with for one word. Yeah, but then you, okay. got, then right, you say one elaborate. word and then you okay. elaborate. I'll, I'll elaborate on it. <laughs> it's I a think, podcast, mate. I think Mercedes, <laughs> because they've round. been obviously used to fighting at the front, they saw themselves in a winning position and thought we could win mm-hmm. this race. Realistically, I don't think they had the pace to beat Red Bull. They were quicker when they were on the mediums and Max was on the hards. There's a reason for that because obviously they're on the softer tyres. Were they able to close up that 12 seconds in the time frame of the rest of the race? I don't think so. But when the pit stops had switched over and changed hands, Max, I honestly thought Max was more screwed there because we've seen it in Abu Dhabi. We saw it with Charles in Silverstone that if Max was going to pit, he was going to come out behind both George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, which he did. Uh, but then you kind of forget the fact that Max's car is just unbelievable with Max at the wheel as well, that he's mm-hmm. easily going to get past those two uh, Mercedes drivers. So him actually boxing isn't a bad thing. But for Lewis Hamilton on the other sa- side, you know, they saw themselves in a winning position. Potentially, this is a chance where we can win a race and let's keep both our drivers out and get that track position. I totally understand that. That's what you do if you're a leader. You know, you want that track position because say nobody else pits and you lose loads of positions, it hasn't worked out in your favour. However... Mercedes aren't a race-winning team right now. They're not a team that are fighting for wins. They could have got a 2-3 in this race had they just boxed both of their drivers. And I think that's what they should have been looking for a bit more is to take home the points. But I completely understand why they went for it. And I'm kind of glad that they did try and go for it. As much as Lewis did kind of get screwed over by the safety car, these things happen in Formula 1. Safety cars can just happen randomly. They can help people. They can hinder others. You've just got to take Mm -hmm. the rough with the smooth. And, you know, I'm still backing. That race win is going to come at some point this season. But it just wasn't wasn't to be yesterday. I understand why they did what they did. In hindsight, they should have boxed. But hindsight is a beautiful thing. Well, that's the unpredictability of sport. But also, yeah, we've talked about this before. It's like how much do Mercedes really have to fight for now because they're comfortably, at least P3 and the constructors. In my opinion, I think Mercedes would prioritise getting Lewis that one race win and then take a P3 in the constructors versus Mm -hmm. getting a P2. Like, they're not going to care about that. They'll get a bit more aero and CFD time for next season as well. Like, do, do you think it's already locked in, in, in a word out in midway through the season it's it's yeah. locked in half a se- like through half oh, yeah, the season true. so yeah, yeah. they're, they're already point. good although i suppose for next year right because then next yeah. year it will get locked in but regardless like do you think do you think mercedes made the right or wrong call out do you think do you think they did the right thing the problem is i don't want to kind of like just sound too much of like a hind you know a hindsight merchant in terms of yeah of course they made a mistake that's, but that's, that's you all over mate <laughs> exactly i think do you know what i was actually i i actually liked what toto wolf said after the race i mean they got they got uh they, they got second and third in i think in france and hungary and who cares like who who even remembers that double podium for mercedes they Toto wolf said that before the right. race they spoke about taking risks the win is what they're going to remember and that's what they wanted they took the risk and the, the mistake was actually george boxing because um, they kind of it was a bit of a halfway house in terms of what they did because you either pit both of them and then you know you're out on fresh tires and maybe you can overtake Max Verstappen which was never going to happen in my opinion 
or you keep both of them out. And then the problem for Mercedes actually wasn't that Max had this like mega car, mega pace. The problem for them is tire warm up. That has been their Achilles heel the entire season. Yeah, true. It's actually been a part of the Mercedes, like just in general for, for years now. I mean, that's why they invented the DAS. It's always been a part of their car philosophy. Like their cars do genuinely like struggle on tire warm up. And that's why potentially if George didn't pit, he could have kind of been a bit of a buffer to Lewis for one or two laps to just warm his tires up because it wasn't that Lewis didn't have enough grip at the beginning. He didn't have, an, his tires just w were not able to warm up. And that's why Max just got him straight away because the Red Bull is much better at turning those tires on. So that's, I think, what the mistake actually was. If you're going to commit, I don't know what the team was thinking about in terms of, I know why George wanted to come in, but they should have stopped him because he should have been that buffer, even for a lap or two, just just for Lewis to maybe kind of get his tires into some kind of window to try and hold off Max. So I think the mistake was actually not, not pitting Lewis because you have to take the risk. You know, what are they, again, a second and third, great. Are we ever going to remember that? No. But are you going to remember, you know, Lewis winning at Zandvoort in 2022? Yes. So for me, the mistake was actually pitting George, who then didn't allow Lewis to have at least a buffer for a lap or two to get those tires up to a working temperature. So... But again, it's, to me, it's all hindsight because, again, I agree with, uh, I agree with Toto Wolf. Yes, they made a mistake. Did they, maximize, did, did they maximize the result? Absolutely not. But they want to take the risk because they're going for a win. They're not going for podiums yeah. anymore because that doesn't mean anything to them. That's, yeah, that's what I mean. I, I think Mercedes are in a place now where, again, I think, personally, I think this was their, looking at the rest of the tracks on the calendar, I think this was their best shot at win. I hope Singapore maybe is... Uh, a bit more kind but these kind of tight twisty tracks they seem to be and also i think zanvor you know it was harder on the tires than they expected so i think that tire warm-up issue wasn't as big a thing honestly at the restart i think actually lewis probably bulked a bit too early because it gave max that he was able to carry that a little bit extra speed through that final quick right hand up but also because i think they extended that length for that drs zone didn't they so I, I think that would have. I think Max would have got past in the end. Um, but I do think that. I don't think yeah. there was any DRS though at the beginning uh, because it was right after the safety. Goal. I think it takes like. Three yeah, laps yeah. I just, I just mean like generally, like over the course of the weekend. Yeah, because they have like two laps, don't they? But like that, that DRS so made that so powerful that Max was able to just like drive. I mean, when he just drove past George earlier in the race as well, like it was the the the, yeah. the pace discrepancy was higher. But I, I just think that I get it from George's point because you can only expect a driver to think of themselves, right? And and I completely. George made the right call to, to, for, for him to come in for the softs. But I do, I do agree. I think the team should have overrode and been, been like, look, let's just, let's just try and keep Max behind it and try and get a, a win for the team. Because, you know, the, you can't expect George to think about that. He's only going to think of himself and he made the right call by himself. But yeah, it's, it's one of them that, like we say, hindsight's a beautiful thing. They went for it. It didn't pay off. It's a shame they hadn't put if, I guess if they'd have put softs on when they did initially stop, that could have... Because I do think, you know, Verstappen on softs, Lewis on softs, given the pace that Mercedes had, I think I think Lewis could have could have challenged Max to an extent. Um, but in the end, I, I think that with the whole VSC safety car, I was really excited for the crescendo to kind of come together at the end um, of the different strategies. Because it, it was one of those races where you kind of don't really see what happens till the very end. And then the VSCs and safety cars kind of turned it up. But also, what do we think of... Um, we've had two races now of this new... Um, whatever they... Not regulation. Well, the new, floor change. Uh, technical directive. Technical directive. That's the one. Um, have we... I mean, the only thing I've noticed, Hayden, is that maybe the Ferraris have gotten a bit slower in the race because they have had to change their floor. 
Yeah, true. I think potentially maybe Ferrari have got a bit slower in the race, but I feel like that trajectory was happening over the course of the season anyway. The Ferrari were just losing a little bit of race pace. Red Bull just kind of had the upper hand, or maybe it was just they were able to plan their strategies a bit better and and, and know what was going on in the race a bit better. Uh, I think here it showed for sure that Mercedes maybe are a little bit closer, but then again, I don't think obviously they're close enough. So it really, I don't think it's done anything I, it's hard to tell over two races last time around at spa there was a bump in the track that apparently caused um ferrari and mercedes to have to raise their ride height meaning that they were not able to run as low and of course mm. with these venturi tunnels and and ground uh force effects that they need the cars to run as low as possible that's what red bull can do that's why they are as quick as they can be um so we'll have to see over the rest of the season obviously we go to monza it's a bit more about straight line speed but there are slow speed corners which the ferrari i believe is better at the slow speed corners uh but the red bull is just dominant on the straight so we'll have to wait and see around there what happens over the rest of the course of the season yeah it could be an interesting one um but i do think the red bull just have the upper hand i don't think anything's really changed from these technical regulations or whatever they are I think Ferrari are struggling a lot with um, tyre wear, uh, especially, and, and yeah, I don't think it's got anything to do really with the technical directive about the floor, like raising it a little bit. Uh, I think t definitely, even back, yeah, actually even back at Hungary, but especially the last two races, actually, uh, Carlos Sainz especially has been talking, and even Charles Leclerc, about tyre wear in terms of, like, their tyres, like, they really do struggle to, they, they overheat quite quickly, and that's what happened to Carlos Sainz, like, he just, he, he was nowhere in the race, like, he was, I think, within a tenth of Leclerc in qualifying, so, you know, kind of there, that's kind of what we expect, and then in the race, he was just nowhere. I mean, battling with, you know, Alonso and Lando Norris at the end of the race. Well, I, uh, I remember at the start, you had Hamilton on the medium and Science on the soft, and Lewis was troubling him. And like, He was all over him, mate. He was putting yeah. clamps on him. Like, it's just, and I think they're having some kind of, maybe it's due to the floor, I don't know, but now it seems to, the speed is still there in the car on the, on the Saturday. And I do think that there is a world where they, they still could have, you know, maybe pushed Max a bit more. But yeah, their tire wear, I think, has been a big issue. But we'll have to see what it's like at Monza because... Monza's a big one for tyre wear, actually, in terms of like those, some of those fa uh, faster corners. So, yeah, Ferrari at Monza with the way things are going in 2022, it's just like, good luck to Fozzi. Good luck. Have fun with that one. just waiting for the inevitable fumble. <laughs> um, and, of course, then we have to talk about the race winner, Max Verstappen. But we'll do this in the context of the head-to-heads. Um, so, starting with Red Bull, Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez. Was it P1 and P5 for Sergio? Um, I mean, Max, it was one of them performances where he did everything he needed to do. Again, perfect harmony with strategy team. Maybe things kind of fell into place a little bit, um, given, you know, I, I think there was an out. I think Lewis's best chance of winning was no VSE, no safety car at all and making that one stop work. Um, but yeah, Checo obviously spun in qualifying and in the Thanks. race wasn't really able to meet <laughs> too too much it's got to be max hasn't it because sergio is corrupt right clearly yeah <laughs> corrupt uh yeah i mean it's it's an obvious sergio. one for max it was quite weird with the drive of the day he got 22 percent of the vote which i think means that obviously it was quite a close contested drive mm. of the day this time around 
But when you look at it, I think it's actually quite a clear choice that it is Max Verstappen. He just had one of those races where it was just flawless. It was a flawless weekend for him. Yeah. Completely. Did absolutely nothing wrong. But because he's out in front, everyone's like, oh, he's not gained any positions or it's anything like that. It's too boring. Yeah, so he doesn't get drive of the day. But it was just a flawless performance, which we're just seeing over and over again yeah. from him. So, um, yeah, 100%. And it is clear to see now that, you know, whether it's the car's gone his way, I think it's more the fact that he's now more fine-tuned with the 2022 regulations. He's a lot more comfortable compared to what Sergio Perez is. And he's able to be... At the beginning of the season, we weren't seeing Max Verstappen be Max Verstappen because he wasn't comfortable. Now that he's comfortable with the car, he is Max Verstappen once again. And, you know, it's just dominant performance after dominant performance right now. And bear in mind, that's like Sergio's running a different floor to Max this weekend, right? Because he took an older... I think it's an older floor that he was more comfortable with and still ends up kind of well behind his teammate. So... Yeah, it's great. The weird thing is that I'll kind of defend Sergio Perez over the course of the season. Like he is battling for second now. Like he's he's doing exactly what he's not got. Like he's not an embarrassing amount of points behind Max Verstappen in terms of what you'd expect from a number two driver. Let's be brutally honest. It was fun seeing Sergio be on pole. It was really fun seeing him, you know, win in Monaco. But he was never gonna be a title challenger. Do you know what I mean? At the beginning of the season, the way it works is that they're not developing the car around Max. Yeah, exactly. Like. corrupt checo but no they're not developing the car around max but the natural development of the car the performance where they're finding is just aiding max a little bit more that's the difference they're not saying oh max what do you want from the car it's just the natural development of the of the car is suiting max a little bit better but i, I still think checo is doing a good job i mean obviously it's got to be max though because max is just he's on another level which is exactly what you expect you know this is what this is that schumacher barrichello this is that hamilton bottas kind of you know level and it's Best just the team, weather. I think, working in perfect harmony. And again, Checo is at the moment P3 in the championship. Charles Leclerc, they're both on the same uh, points, but Charles has just jumped him on count back in terms of the race wins. But yeah, it, the team is doing exactly what they need to do. But it is, it's a, yeah, it's a bit frustrating seeing Checo kind of, you know, be not as quick as he was. Uh, but he definitely still gets his elbows out. No doubt about it. That battle between him and Lewis, that was actually quite cool, actually. That was quite interesting. He almost put Lewis in the gravel. And uh, it was quite funny because he squeezed Lewis out. <laughs> and then I think, was it Charles or Science that did that to him? Uh, Later yeah, on in the yeah, race, yeah, and yeah. he comes on the radio and was like, "I was pushed off, man. I was pushed off." And it's like, "Yeah, that's that's what you did twenty laps ago to Lewis." Classic <laughs> racing driver. Tits. Classic. What, racing one thing driver. with Red Bull, I I do worry for Red Bull. Maybe more from a constructor's point of view, because you know, at the end of the day, however you cut it, since Daniel Ricciardo left that team, no teammates got anywhere near Max, and part of that is because Max is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong, but I think part of that as well is that. That car's very dialed into a very specific driving style that Max is able to extract. And I worry because, you know, I think Carlos is pretty close to Charles this year. I think Lewis and um, and George are very, very close this year. And I do worry from maybe a constructor's point of view that, you know, Checo's not going to be able to, once the Mercedes does get um, more competitive, I just worry about how they're going to all hang. Um, how, how he's going to hang on to the back of that. I'm not too sure, but that's just a, a theory anyway. Let's talk I, about... Um... I shall quickly say, just in terms of that oh, record go on, go thing on, though, go on, just go to on. add something, it's go on, what you got? What even you got? if you get Max and Checo closer like they were at the beginning of the season, that might be to the detriment of the car in terms of that might put Ferrari on like a sim- on more of a similar level. If you develop it more in the, more in the direction that Max is more comfortable, the car has mm. been more dominant. So yes, Checo's not getting closer, so it might look like there's a bit more of a disparity, but the car is more ahead of the competition and maybe that kind of outweighs having two drivers that are closer together, if that kind of makes sense. 
And I yeah. just want to point out one thing as well. If you have a driver that finishes first with fastest lap and a driver finished sixth, I'm pretty sure that's 34 points. Whereas if you have a 2-3, it's only 33 points. You still actually gain points. So there therefore, having Winning. a driver who wins every single race and a driver <laughs> who finishes in the top six every single race is still going to gain you points on your rivals. God, it's as easy as that. Just, it's as easy as that. Should have just kept Albon because that's exactly what he would do. <laughs> no, he would have been like P. P. <laughs> <laughs> P12. All right, let's talk about let's talk about <laughs> stop it. Let's talk about Ferrari. Um I mean as much as it was a messy race for Carlos, did he do too much wrong? I mean, he certainly wasn't you had obviously was it him passing Ocon that he thought he might have got a penalty for but he didn't. Um, Very sketchy the, by the way. Yeah, that was a bit sketchy. Um but then I guess yeah, I I think there was more there was more uh, scuffiness in uh in Carlos's racing than there was Charles. So I'll give it to Charles because um, Charles didn't do too much wrong either. And he was able to hold that pace at the start where, whereas Carlos was getting swallowed up by a Lewis on medium. So what, what do you think, Aldas? I did not notice Charles Leclerc once this race. When he yeah. turned up in P3, I was like, what? Where is this guy? But where has he come from? Like, why is he P3? But yeah, that, that's honestly the most anonymous P3 I've seen so far probably this season uh, it's got to be Charles, obviously, out qualified. Um, again, super close to pole, so maybe that could have made things more interesting. But yeah, ultimately, it didn't. Um, not only did Carlos Sainz really struggle in the race, like there was a big gap between him and Leclerc, but obviously, he also got unlucky, like the bad stop uh, with Ferrari and then the unsafe release as well. And that was a weird one because that was the unsafe release was actually a bit awkward because it wasn't necessarily an unsafe release that they released him too quick. It was the pit lane was so tight that it took him a long time to get out of the box. Uh, but ultimately, the McLaren team were there. Yeah, but the team has to take that into account, you know, so it kind of still is on the team, yeah. but okay, they got a bit unlucky with the with the tight pit lane, but yeah, then the whole yellow flag thing as well, Bottas on the side of the track, I thought that was very sketchy, very kind of on the limit, and uh, yeah, it just wasn't, and ultimately, I mean, where did he finish, like down in P7 or something, so yeah, it wasn't um, P8, Eight. P, yeah, yeah, P dropped yeah. down to P8. P8, so yeah, not a great race by science, but an anonymous weekend by Ferrari uh, in general in terms of like the race. Yeah, I think the same. I have to agree with you. Um, I don't think either driver put a foot wrong. I think Charles was just that tiny bit better and Science just got screwed over a lot more. Um, so I have to give it to Leclerc on this one. But I think, again, you could maybe go either way on this one. Yeah, that's fair. No, I, I, I think, yeah, Charles definitely had the edge for me. Uh, Mercedes, Lewis and George. I'm... I think I'm actually going to say George because I think making a call, the call to go on to softs was clearly the right call for his side of the garage, um, made it. And again, I, I think he kind of, it was holding on to the back of Lewis for most of the race. There wasn't a massive disparity between the two of them. They were kind of, Lewis was ahead, um, but they were going along. In, in, and, and I was just, I was just impressed. I was impressed with the call that George made as much as I think the team should have overruled it. I was impressed that he was had the peace, uh, presence of mind to make that call, the right call in the end, and ultimately get his joint best podium finish after Spa in the Williams, which wasn't really a P2 in the end, but mm. technically was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you would say that. So, yeah, I, I'm actually going to give it great race from both. And I've, I was so gutted Lewis didn't win because I, I, I was full team LH for this race. I've got, I've got to be honest. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to give it to George because I just, yeah, I thought he he impressed me to that. Also, I want to ask you boys about that um, move where George was overtaking Lewis. And I thought that was on the edge of being a very mm. late. It was kind of because George didn't really 
go fully right, but also Lewis did move quite late. And watching that live, I was a bit like, oh, that's a bit naughty from Lewis. And then other angles, I'm not too sure. What, what do you guys think of that of that move as well as your head-to-heads, Aldous? Yeah. I think actually in terms of that move, at first, like from George's angle, it looks like Lewis like properly almost like, tries to chop him. But when you actually look from the over o- overhead, mm. it's more that yeah. Lewis is just coming, like just like drifting over the track he's not he doesn't actually like jink let a jink right or even move his wheel yeah. that much so i think it was one of those where george was actually i mean it looked at i think it was actually a bit too dramatic for like from george you could have just mm-hmm. pulled out a little bit kind of sooner uh but lewis mm-hmm. was drifting over but it's just yeah one of those things luckily nothing like more like you know nothing worse happened because that obviously could have been a collision uh but yeah it was a little bit maybe a frustration from from both of them i think they both wanted more in terms of my driver uh, it's got to be lewis in terms of yeah for me it's got to be lewis out of the out of those two because he outqualified George. He was he was a threat, a genuine threat for the win, and it was only kind of yeah. It's it's weird how to look at that decision by George because again, I'm buzzing that you know he's got kind of a career best and this time legitimate. Uh, no no doubt about it. Uh, P two. Um, which you know I'm, that's really great, but I feel like perhaps there was more for the team. But again, it's it's on the team to say to George like you got to take one for the team here. You got to hold off Max yeah. as much as you can because we need to let Lewis go. So. Yeah, I'm going to go with Lewis for sure. He had the pace over George, and it's this has been a pattern now. He's he's had the pace over George, I think, ever since kind of kind of Canada, really. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Lewis. I feel like maybe this is the win that slipped away, but it was always going to be very difficult. Yeah, I agree with you on both the move and the drive. I think the move was like Hamilton sort of veers over to like the middle of the track, and I think George mm. sees that, so he's like, "Oh crap, I need to go left because Lewis is going to go right." And then when he once he realizes Lewis is not going fully right, he's just going to the middle. He's like, mm. "Okay, no, there is space yeah, to the yeah, right yeah. go there." So that was sort of the closest of like the hesitation. Um, and again, I think I've got to go for Lewis because, and I think yeah, I agree that George did kind of screw over the strategy a little bit but i understand why he did it. i'm not going to hate on him for making that decision they're two drivers in different stages of their careers george russell wants to prove himself he wants to you know put his he wants to make himself look as good as he possibly can whether that's beating lewis finishing second whatever whereas lewis you know he's trying to play that team game and hoping that his teammate would play that as well um but it didn't unfortunately happen lewis down in p4 george second but yeah lewis out qualified and yeah they both only got one lap in qualifying they both got screwed over by the paris thing but like i said they both got screwed over by it It wasn't like just one or the other um so lewis's banker lap was good enough and then um in the race lewis just had the edge uh up until after the safety car so yeah for me lewis hamilton but good good from george i i I like what he did i agree with you by saying that you you likely took the initiative to do that but sometimes you have to play the team game yeah, I think them two have been extremely close all year. And uh, I think it's a good sign for Mercedes long-term, ultimately. They've got two drivers banging in the performances. Right, Alpine, probably fourth best car. Another double points finish for Alpine as well. Um, but obviously, again, you just look at the results. Obviously, Ocon out-qualified Alonso. Um, only just. Yeah, Alonso. Only just. just. It was very close. It was very close. Um, and then Alonso finishes ahead and Ocon was about two tenths off of benefiting from the science penalty. So he ended up P9 in the end, Alonso P6. So got to give it to Fernando. I, I, I We didn't really see too much of these. He had a little scrap with Lando towards the end, did Fernando. Mm-hmm. But another great drive from the from the old man um, that, that Alpine didn't want to... Well, it looks like they're only ever going to give him maximum two more years at that team and before getting Piastri. And that was the plan anyway, but obviously that didn't pan out, did it, Aldous? They told me this guy was washed. They told me that he doesn't deserve a two-year deal. They told me, well, he's too old for this. What is he doing, mate? 
Do you know how many races? He's, he's on a consecutive point scoring streak at the moment. Do you know how many races he's on at the moment in terms of scoring points? Have, have seven. a guess. Nine. Seven. Nine from, nine from Hayden. What seven. was it, Tommy? Seven. Ten. Oh, I was Ten close. races. <laughs> Ten <laughs> races scoring points. So he's absolutely on it. He's got the bit between his teeth. Uh, this was a really good race, actually. Uh, again, poor qualifying. He said that there was a bit of traffic, but, you know, make your first lap count. So, yeah, Ocon out qualified him, which is exactly what we kind of see in terms of, like, they're super close in quality. It's, it's actually quite amazing. Uh, but in the race, uh, he worked out on the Friday. I think that, uh, he said in his post-race interview that uh, the hard tire was going to work for them. You know, they, that was definitely one for their car. He, they pitted him early to get him into fresh air, and ultimately he benefited also at the end from the uh, virtual, I think, uh, with Yuki Tsunoda. Okay. So... Yeah, an amazing drive by Fernando, you know, P5 from what, P13, I think he started or something. So, yeah, a really good uh, result. But to be honest, again, good result by the entire team because I feel like Mercedes and Alpine are almost, or at least the fan base is from what I'm seeing from uh, Twitter, which is, I'm sure, a great uh, judgment of the fan base. <laughs> it's like when one driver succeeds, it's like, oh my God, I've got to hate the other driver. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like both of the drivers did a great job. Ocon in the points, Alonso in the yep. points. And ultimately McLaren... I think the more I look at it, I think they do have a car that could challenge Alpine ac across the entire season, but they have one driver getting the points, yeah. and Alpine have two. That's the very big difference. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of, yeah, an, another really great race by Alonso, arguably the best of the year at the moment. Yeah, agree, Alonso for me. Uh, qualifying very close, Ocon out-qualifying Alonso, so that's obviously good for him. They were always, they've always been so close to the qualifying battles, but Alonso is just so consistent, and he's just such a good driver. So you got another dog. Uh, oh, fine. Again, someone else's dog wild now. in the background that minton wants to be on the show um yeah there he is here he is the big he's a big Ocon fan. he's like how dare you pick fernando alonso Ocon if you're audio best. only you're missing out here um, some sausage dog content carry yeah. on Hayden. go check us out on our youtube to see the sausage dog content but yeah alonso i think i and i say it all this time people that i think can challenge for a championship are lewis hamilton max verstappen Fernando Alonso, because they are just consistent. Maybe even George Russell into that frame as well, because his consistency is unreal. Now, I was before this weekend, he'd only ever finished between third and fifth in races he'd finished. Now it's second and fifth, so he's increased that the right way. So that consistency is is immense, and that's what you need to be a world champion. Fernando still got it. Put him in a race-winning team, and he can fight for that championship 100%. And boy... For me, for two reasons, I hope this Aston Martin project works out so I can see Lance Stroll <laughs> fighting at the front, but also because we are in for a treat with Fernando Alonso back up front. I, I can't believe me and Hayden are going to be teammates next year. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Join oh, the yeah. Green Army, Aldas. Join the Green Army. I didn't clock that. Um, no, I, I would love to see. I, I did a video like a couple of weeks ago about like dream driver pairings. And for me, it's like... Verstappen Alonso in that yeah. Red Bull mm -hmm. as it is I would love to see that even if it was just a, for a race I would just love to know <laughs> how close this current Fernando would be able to get because I, again I think he's you know he's the most experienced driver in F1 history now and I think we're seeing that on track we're seeing that yes in quali I think Ocon can get close but in the races Alonso just always seems to have the edge because he's Fernando Alonso and he's got all this experience and he's still driving at a top tier level. But I don't so, think yeah. it's experience. I think it's, do you know what it is? I think it's motivation and hunger because you can tell Kimi last yeah, year, it was just it, race yeah. by race. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just, Kimi was kind of like, he was enjoying it, stuff like that. Going I think Fernando motion, genuinely yeah. believes like He believes like with all of his like, with all of his dramatic and kind of arrogant, you know, self that he can be a world champion still. He can, you know, challenge Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, whoever it is. And I think that's the difference. It's not just experience. He is still motivated and still got yeah. the speed. And it's, 
I, I just can't believe Alpine have actually let him go. It's just, I, I, I can't believe it. It's brilliant. The like, how's fumble that <laughs> is real. Um, all to McLaren, a team that, again, I, they're, they're a good 25, 24 points, I think, behind Alpine now in the Constructors. And like you said, Aldas, only one driver is delivering the points. And unfortunately, it was another very, very bad weekend for Daniel Ricciardo. So, of course, it's Lando Norris who takes the head-to-head. Not much to say on Lando. I think he just had a really kind of solid race. Qualified seventh. I think he's seventh in the Drivers' Championship now. Finished seventh. Lucky number seven, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And Daniel Ricciardo qualified 17th and finished 17th. So there's a very good reason why Matt is not on this podcast. Let's just, I'll just leave it there, you know. Uh, yeah, he made up a terrible excuse. With tears, that's why. Uh, it's it's it it's it's genuinely like uh, it's genuinely sad to see, hmm. and I really hope Monza delivers something better for Daniel Ricciardo. But Race again. this was uh, not with their straight I mean, line speed, mate. Not with this McLaren car, <laughs> but this was this was a, a a result to forget. I think probably one of he said he was all right on the hard tire, but you've got to think that discrepancy to Lando, it's got to be one of the worst he's had so far, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. And also, by the way, Lando's on, um, I think in the last, I'm looking at it now, like the last five races, he scored points four times and every single time he's in seventh. So mm. yeah, lucky number seven for Lando. But um, yeah, just a really good race by Lando. Again, I think there's certain races where that McLaren is quicker than the Alpine. And if they had, if they had an Esteban Ocon or a Fernando Alonso in that McLaren alongside, you know, Lando Norris, I think there could be a tighter fight for that P4 in the constructors. So yeah, it's got to be Lando and ultimately, yeah, it's, and also the whole Oscar Piastri thing. Yeah, they needed to cut ties with Daniel. It just wasn't working. It's not going to work next year. And I'm very excited to see what that driver lineup is going to be, uh, you know, with uh, Lando and Oscar. So that's going to be drama for sure. Yeah, easy one on this side for, for Lando Norris. With Daniel, these are very, very important times for Daniel Ricciardo, Pierre Gasly and Mick Schumacher, three drivers that have all been linked with that Alpine seat and they need to all perform. You know, Gasly, I think, did a decent job last time out in Belgium, pit lane to P9, um, P11 this time around. I don't think that Alpha Tauri really had the pace, but he was kind of shown up by Yuki Snowd, I think, this weekend. Daniel massively shown up by his teammate. He needs good results and he needs them quickly because you can... like We we, we, we talk about McShumacher quite a lot on this podcast, about a bit negatively, but if he were to perform in these next five races, he is putting himself in a very good position for the Alpine seat because you're only as good yeah. as your last races. People forget... People have very short memories in Formula 1. You start to perform and everyone's going to be on that hype train of Mick Schumacher. So these are important weeks. And Daniel Ricciardo needs to find something. I don't know what it is. You know, it just seems to be maybe qualifying is not right for him. And then they just get stuck in that train. But he needs to work on that qualifying to put himself closer to Lando. Because right now, he's out of F1 next season. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's the main issue, qualifying. Because, you know, qualifying... To be a good qualifier shows that you can really push that car mm -hmm. to to a hundred percent, and you're, that's when you're pushing the car to its very very extremes and very very limits. In the race, you can drive more conservatively, you can manage tires. There's there's a lot more. You know, I, I don't think Daniel was a mile off Lando in race, but you're right. I think when he's qualifying so far down the order, it's not giving him a chance because we've we've seen that. A, a, a few races this year where in the race he's not been a mile off like Australia and Baku like yeah. were races where he was pretty close to Lando but yeah it's that qualifying and that's the that's the ultimate lack of confidence in the car so I think yeah, his like confidence said, I, I think yeah. his confidence is just shot that's what yeah. it is like 
in qualifying when you're confident in the car it's about balancing it on that limit so that you can get the most out of it and kind of feeling com- actually feeling comfortable when the car's quite edgy but on that you know limit where it's at its fastest but in the race i mean we don't see you know daniel ricardo having these even if he qualifies bad he doesn't then have the confidence in the race to to overtake the cars ahead of him because he said you know after the race that he thought he had more pace than the guys around him, but he was just stuck in the train. So, yeah, yeah it's it, his confidence is now just shot. Yeah. Really, they opinion. did the most pit stops of everyone as well. They did a five-stopper, uh, pitted him on lap 55, and then again on lap 57, I think. So, no, lap 56. They pitted him again one lap later. Don't know what they were doing with the strategy. Um, so maybe that was something as well that, that needs to be played into factor. Yeah, I there have really been some... As closely. I'm sure if Matt was no. here, he could tell us exactly what happened oh, I'm to sure. Daniel yeah. Ricciardo. But, um... It was raining on just him around the track. <laughs> the cartoon, there... the cloud follows him. There have been some some sus calls from McLaren regarding Ricciardo. Have, but also, yeah. again, like, unfortunately, it's got to the position where McLaren, if it means, you know, getting Lando at potentially another position... They're going to prioritise him and, and put Daniel on, on a strategy that's going to potentially work for his teammate because Daniel isn't anywhere near, unfortunately. But hopefully, again, Monza, it's a place he knows how to win and the car might not be there, but hopefully relative to Lando, he's more um, confident next weekend. Let's talk... You know what? We'll talk about Aston Martin now, Hayden, because... Yeah. You know what? I mean, this is this is definitely Stroll. Um the head-to-head and i actually right i've been these last few races i've actually been pretty impressed by lance i think he's taken a bit of a we've had these you know start of 2020 he was strong then fell off and hopefully he doesn't fall off again this year was he strong as well oh 2020 sorry yeah 2020 yeah he was yeah yeah. and um yeah i've actually been impressed by lance did a great job in qualifying and in the race you know, pretty solid P10 in the end. Almost, he was pretty close as well to jump in science. Um, almost got a P9. Goes one point ahead of Alex Albon, which I'm not so happy about. Um, yeah. We'll start. <laughs> go, go on, Hayden. We'll start with you before we get to Aldas. Go on. Go Great on. qualifying. Get, get your moment in. Um, Aston actually had a decent car this 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 race. I think mm-hmm. obviously the mistake from Vettel cost him from getting into Q3. I think both cars could have got into Q3. I think both cars were looking really strong. Um, so it was a shame there from Vettel's side that he he made that mistake. But uh, my boy, keeping it clean, showing up on a Saturday for the past two weekends. What is going on? I'm loving it. I'm, Who I is that actually, guy? I can that actually is not enjoy that is not qualifying strong. once again. I could be like, oh yeah, do you know what? There is a reason now why I watch qualifying. My boy is actually showing up. We'll see whether that continues next time at Monza. Um, as Tomo's cameras just disappeared. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, carry, on, carry on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, in the race, I was also really impressed. I think uh, the safety car kind of screwed him over because it allowed both the Alpines to jump him because they could pit under yep. a virtual safety car. So he could yeah. have been up in that because he was running in P7. Lando was P6. He was P7. Science was back there a little bit because of the issues with the pit stop. So... And I was I was so annoyed because I was loving the battle between Perez and Sainz whilst it was going on. Because I was watching those timings like, he's just within that cusp. Keep this coming. And then Perez gets pushed off the track and Sainz just drives away. And I'm just like, no, come back. But I'm happy with the point. <laughs> I, I, honestly, do you know what? When that safety car came out, I was like, somehow, somewhere, Gasly's going to get him. And once again, it's a great race from Stroll, but he's going to finish P11. So no one cares. One. But no, luckily this time he's finally in the point. I'm repping the Stroll's chair. I can't turn around this chair, so you can't see the Stroll on the back. But um, I'm, I was loving it yesterday. 
Uh, yeah, it's got to go to your boy. It was a good race by him. Uh, not a great race by Seb, but he had a good race last time out in Spa, but... Oh, the, the holding up, though, of Lewis Hamilton, that was nuts to me. Like, surely your engineer would Ooh. tell you, pit yeah. exit, you're racing... You know, you're not racing, you know, with Lewis and Checo behind. And it, the way... It was just everywhere Seb went was, like, the wrong way. So, yeah, I don't know what happened there. But in terms of Stroll, yeah, I mean, seeing him in Q3, I mean, I had to, like, clean my eyes. I was like, what? Um, he actually turns up on a Saturday. Unbelievable. But, um... Yeah, really good race by him. He did get done by the uh, virtual safety car. I think there might have been more points on the board. And it does seem that the Aston Martin on some tracks, uh, maybe similar to the McLaren in a way, like where if it's the right track for the Aston Martin, they can kind of get something out of it. Yeah. And then if, if it doesn't suit them, you know, that car is not very uh, kind of, it's it's not very adaptable on all of the tracks. But yeah, it's good to see kind of Stroll turn up for his uh, three good performances in, in a season. So uh, yeah, good race. Well, <laughs> to be fair, I'm just looking at it now, right? So Stroll's got P10 five times this year. So all his five points have been one points. Yeah, it's every right. other race P10. is P11. <laughs> and then three three P11s, two P12s, and two P13s, P14, 15. So yeah, he, he's kind of been on the cusp a lot. And I guess, yeah, it, it's... I think, you know, Seb's definitely had the stronger season over the course of it. But in these last few races, I think Lance has arguably looks maybe even a little bit quicker uh, but it's good to see the Aston Martin actually somewhat competitive because I feel mm-hmm. like and it's also nice seeing you know because especially at the start of the year that car seemed really slow down right down there with the Williams but now it feels like they're consistently close and I'd actually maybe argue that that's a quicker package right now than the Alpha Tauri in mm-hmm. the Aston Martin um, I, I think at this point of the season and we saw the Alfa Romeo really strong at the start of the season I think that's kind of fallen but do you have an opinion on that Aldas? I felt like, no, I was I just going to say, good. it's going to be very fun next year if that car is still like at the back of the grid. And then me and, me and Hayden are just like, No, we've got to believe, we've got to manifest Aldas. Okay? Yeah, it's going to be a, a big factory. Yeah. Well, not yet. <laughs> I don't know when that's going to be built and finished. But I want to add on Jan- the Vettel January. thing. I want to add on the Vettel it- thing because the perfect commentary could have happened when it was Lewis fighting Perez and then all of a sudden but here comes Sebastian Vettel and then he's just blocking them as they go around the track oh it was beautiful yeah. that was I might edit that yeah. I might dub that over actually I might do that yeah yeah go on that's a good shout that's some good content um no I, I agree I, I think that yeah that was more on the team because you've only got so much space to see with the re- rear view mirrors although talking rear view mirrors what did you make of the big chunky new ones boys Aldas what did you I think I liked it I, remember, yeah. I thought they were cool yeah I thought it actually Old looked school. like it didn't look abnormal. Like, I got used to them straight away. It looked a bit weird on Max Verstappen's car where, like, he was running the small one, like, the one that we use now on the right, and then yeah, the wham one on the left. But I actually quite like them. I wham. think it's better for the drivers. Uh, again, Lewis actually said, like, uh, I think it was after Spa, like, one of the reasons why he crashed into Alonso is that he just couldn't see. Like, it's, it's so difficult to know where everyone is. So, I think bigger mirrors, I, I, quite, I quite like it. I thought they looked cool. Chunky. I like it. Do you like, do you like them, Hayden? I, I, I like them chunky as well. Right. I didn't even know oh, we had yeah. new wing mirrors. Oh, oh, I had the highlight mode. The highlight mode back mode. again. Oh, I was like, "What on earth are you on about?" New mirrors. Oh. It was only practice, usually usually I don't show up practice. to watching F one till Sunday because because uh, Lan- uh, Lance Stroll doesn't show up as well till Sunday. But uh, you know, fair, fair enough. Fair it was only on the Friday, I, I, so I'll let you I off this time. It. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I didn't notice. I didn't, I didn't even hear it talked about. In all fairness, uh, right. Brilliant. Let's talk about um, Alfa Romeo. Uh, Alfa Romeo. Seems to have kind of fallen off um, yeah. towards the end of the season. I mean, I can't remember who was ahead when Bottas pulled up. Was it no Joe? Clue. I think. Um, I, th- I think Joe. Was, no, I think, such no, a no idea. Race. I think Joe was, I believe. 
I think who out qualified who? Let me just have a little look. Joe out qualified Bottas. Yeah. I think Joe. So I think Joe yeah, was yeah. ahead when uh, when when it came out. I believe. Either it's way, so it was, weird it was with Alpha. They close. have these like it's just such a they they've fallen off so much that it's hard to even like keep up with what they're doing because like like last you know, last time out you know Joe was stuck in the train then Valtteri you know got got had to avoid a spinning Latifi classic. And then again, he breaks down even today. So um, even in the race yesterday. So it's just like the three DNS not... in the last three races. Yeah, it's just yeah. I don't know what's going on. And I mentioned it actually. The problem is as the cars got worse. Like for this in terms of Joe, like as the cars got worse, Joe has got better. But you don't notice it because the cars like fallen off. So yep. it's just yeah. yeah qualified Valtteri this weekend as well. Yeah, yeah. Joe is the same the situation the season, right like... now as as Stroll has been for the last part of the season, where you have these really good performances. But they're not seen because when your teammate had good performances, he was scoring good points. But when you're getting mm. good performances, the car's not as good yep. anymore. So now you're scraping a P11 or something like that, uh, which is a shame to see because I think, in all fairness, the hype for Bottas has definitely dropped down because he's Joe qualified him again, and yeah, he outraced him again. Mm. So it's good to see from Joe that hopefully, you know, I I, I back my boy. I hope that he's going to get a, a seat again for next season. Uh, and I just hope that Alfa Romeo can maybe develop that car. But my worry is, obviously, with the money coming out from Alfa Romeo, they're pulling out. They're going to have to wait a few years for the Audi to come in, that they're going to be a team that's going to be struggling at the back for a while. Yeah, I, I think Joe's done enough to kind of put himself in a good position. Again, I, I do want, you know, I think I think the standard from the rookies last year wasn't the best. Um, I mean, we've had some rookie seasons where, you know, like Charles Leclerc's come in and just kind of wiped the floor with his teammate. But then... Mm. Should that be expected? I, I I think Joe's done a good good job. I I think all in all, and it was a shame he couldn't. We couldn't see once yeah. again. We couldn't really see it because that car performance just it's a bit concerning. I mean, th- do you know if they've got any more upgrades planned, Hayden? As, as Joe told you, near <laughs> your besties. So. Yeah, ask him in the lobby. We we don't we don't particularly talk about um the the development of don't, the car and what's going don't on talk back about in work. the factory. No, yeah, I don't be like. So what is your what's the, what's going, what's the design process behind your front wings? No, that that usually doesn't strike us. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure with Alfa Romeo. Obviously, they made a really decent car at the start of the season, similar to Haas, um, but just kind of like dropped off the base. I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's still that yo-yo situation that this track just didn't suit them and they're going to go to another track that's going to suit mm. them a bit more. That's just more hope whether it's not really backed up by any factual knowledge, which, which, most of the time, which is most of the time <laughs> with me, to be honest, not backed up with any factual knowledge. But yeah, I think Joe's definitely done enough to deserve a seat. And I I mean, you look at the head-to-heads more in terms of qualifying and racing. and You put it out in, in, in your tweets, Tomo. Um, I don't know how close it is between Joe and Bottas, but I'm pretty um, sure it's, it's quite close. Like, I think it's about 10-5, I think. Something like that. Hang on, let me check. Um, well, well, we'll talk about Alpha Tauri next. Um, obviously, Sonoda out qualifying Gasly, which is great for Yuki. Um, ends up, the race ends early. Mm-hmm. He was running ahead of Pierre as well. So, I don't really know. Because obviously, Yuki's race ended early. I don't... D- d- do you two have a strong opinion either way? Because I don't really... I think you can no, go either way on it. I think I would go for Sonoda because he out-qualified him. It's very close between the two of them in the Q2, mm. Q2 times, less than a tenth in it between the two of them, but he did get into Q2, uh, Q3. Don't know what happened in Q3 for him, though, whether he just had the one lap and I think maybe got held up by Sergio Perez's crash, and that's why he only set a 112.5 and was 1.1 seconds off the pace 
fixed or again. Mick, so it Unbelievable. Must have, been, must have been Perez, you know, conspiracy theories out that mm. Alpha Tauri helping out Red Bull here, but it doesn't work the other way. They're going to need to strike themselves a better <laughs> deal here because what is going on? Um, but it's a one-way in relationship. Race, in the race, yeah. he was, I think, just on the cusp of the points for most mm. of it. And then obviously the issue happened. So they were like eleven and twelve. I think yeah. they were kind of running around there. But um, yeah, yeah, I'd probably say Sonoda as well. What, what do you think, Aldas? Yeah, I'm going to go Yuki as well. I feel like that there was some good speed in there. And again, it's just it's just kind of okay for Alpha Tara. Like they're just at the you know at the clutches of the points. Like sometimes yeah. they can get one or two. Sometimes Gasly has a great result. With Yuki though, he it's it it is getting a bit worrying though because he hasn't scored points in a long time. Like I know he's had a lot of reliability issues, and that's been completely on Alpha Tari, but. I want to see some point. I mean, I'm a I'm a Yuki Tsunoda fan, and I'm just getting worried right now because like all of this talk of like Colton Hurt at this and like you know yeah. Lawson that like it's just I want to see Yuki like step it up, but the car's just not there, which is just really frustrating. But yeah, that's my Yuki ran over. I'm gonna give it to him <laughs> though for this race, but score some points. Yeah, he's, he's only had three point scoring finishes, which is two fewer than Lance. Not so good. it says, but then Pierre's only had four point scoring finishes, which is one lower than Lance. So. There's there's a, there's stories to be told there. Lance um, voted. That's what we that's what we've decided. Hey, uh, clearly, strong. clearly, that's they the that's it. the only reasonable. All we can say. Learning to come out of that. Um, <laughs> right, Hass, Hass, ah, oh, Mick Schumacher, to... Mick, definitely for this one. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for the head to head, definitely. But I just he was actually he got held up by a big stop, by the way. Uh, Mick Schumacher had a really yeah, like, long stop, so that's true. the team the team let him down. He qualified really well, like in the I think it was eight. Was it eight that he qualified? I think qualified uh, yes, something it was. like that. Yeah, beat yeah. Yuki um, and Stroud his problems. So exactly, there you go. So m- mid Schumacher is clawing it back, but yeah, it's just like again. Actually, Hayden talked about it. Just when like you need performance, like you're fighting for that Alpine seat, and you know the team let you down. It's kind of like it just it's not mm-hmm. coming. Something is not coming together for Mick Schumacher in the races. And as far as K Mag, uh, obviously had that earlier collision with the barrier, but just managed to save it. But you know, going from last, I think he was only racing Latifi at one point. So can't really say yeah. much about that. Is anyone I, I, racing I, I, Latifi? <laughs> well, Ma- yeah, Magnussen did kind of do a lazy send up the inside, which then Latifi just cut back on him for. That so. was jokes, by uh, yeah. the way. I was like, "How'd you get overtaken by Latifi?" No, because it was like, yeah, Sh- Schumacher, yeah, with the long pit stop, it's P13. He-, he got Seb on the last lap as well yeah. um, to move up from P14. So, yeah, I, I think ultimately, you know, K Mag's set. Oh, did he? Deben showed for penalties. Joe had one mm. coming for. Something through the pit stop. Vettel had one for ignoring blue flags. Okay, um, so was that the was that the Hamilton? Um, yeah, Checo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so he actually got punished for that. I, I couldn't remember. Um, but yeah, Haas obviously Magnussen cocking up as well. He was like wide, too wide with Albon, I think, and just kind of carried too much speed. That could have been his race over. He was a lucky boy there. So could have been I'm Albon's give it to race Mick over. As well. Yeah, it, that would have not 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 have gone down well. <laughs> yeah, you mean? What do you think, Hayden? Mick? <laughs> yeah, Mick as well. I mean, Magnussen yeah. out in P18, uh, Mick out in, up into Q3, so really good qualifying for him. And screwed over in the race due to a pit stop problem, uh, which could have seen him maybe, you know, have a chance of being close to that point scoring position as well. I Take feel like it away from it Lance. Could have been P11. I think he would have more likely because Lance had the better pace over the weekend. So I think. Mick was probably going to be just about P11, which would be unfortunate. But in terms of the free drives that I've spoken about, the ones that really need to make themselves look as good as possibly can, this weekend, Mick Schumacher looked like the better one out of the three of them, yeah. which is good for him. Um, yeah. So talking about that Alpine C, or even there's even talks 
rumours of him being picked up by Red Bull and AlphaTauri because obviously he's leaving the Ferrari Driver Academy that there's talks that maybe um, AlphaTauri might pick him up and put him alongside Yuki Tsunoda if Gasly were to get that Alpine seat. So he did a better job this weekend uh, out of those three drivers and of course did a better job over Magnussen and made Magnussen look, look a bit silly this weekend. If it wasn't for the problem in the pit stop, he would have made him look a lot worse, but they finished closer together due to that pit stop problem. Yeah, it's not the first time I think K-Mag has oversent it at the start of a race and uh, it's bit him on the arse. So yeah, not not ideal. Um, and then one final team to talk about <laughs> is of course Williams. And obviously Q2 Albon, which I was surprised about given the, the track characteristics and where that Williams seems to be um, quick. You know, it's quick last weekend. Hopefully it'll be quick in Monza. But I was surprised he got to Q2. So great, only P15 in the end though. And I mean... Well, I'm just I'm looking here still from the race, lap 37 to 72, and Latifi's 10 seconds off the back of K-Mag, um, whereas Albon's up in P13. So, uh, yeah, P12 is, is, I think, a really strong, given, given everything, I think that was a really, really good drive from Alex. And once again, he's an absolute country mile clear, Aldas, of his teammate. What was it in qualifying? Like, over a... I think it was like uh, second, wasn't it? Was, it was, yeah, one point... In Q1. Seven? Oh my god. 1.7? Nah, no. He must have got held 1.2. surely. 1.2. I, I know it was mass. definitely a second because someone, I remember, because again, I didn't watch qualifying, but someone tweeted about it. Like they sh- like they screenshotted the gap and it was unbelievable. Gosh, yeah, it was, but wasn't it? It was, yeah, I mean, what, what do you want me to say about Latifi? Like we've, we've spoken, he should be out. I don't know what Jos Capito is like. I don't know what he's thinking, even saying stuff like, yeah, you know, we might keep him actually. Uh, you should be putting pressure on him to see if he actually wants to like really like perform, but he's just not good enough to be honest. And that's the bottom line in terms of Albon. Actually, yeah, really good race because this. I mean, even he said that he was surprised how good the car actually felt because uh, on higher downforce tracks, that Williams doesn't have a lot of a good downforce. Uh, but I'm very very excited to see what he's gonna be able to do at Monza because it was the quickest car in a straight line um, at Spa. So they're gonna forget about the rear wing. They're gonna just chop it off completely. And just go wingless uh, in uh, in Monza. So I'm looking forward to seeing. I think zero, that's zero a, wings. Exactly zero zero <laughs> wings. Like um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Albon can do in Monza. I think potentially points uh, could be on the table if uh, he nails the race and uh, well Williams nailed the strategy as well. So yeah, it's got to be Albon for this one. He's doing great. Um, and yeah, looking forward to Monza. Rocket ship Albono is Albon as good as George Russell and Lewis Hamilton because he's also smashed the Nicholas Latifi. It's Latifi is the benchmark, right? then clearly Albon is... Even I'm not that deluded, put the seven-time <laughs> world champion potential. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I still buy the the fact of Yoscopito being like, oh, yeah, maybe we can keep him on because you, you want to keep his morale. It, if it's going to be his last season, you want him to go happy at the end of the day. You don't want to keep on going, yeah, he's shit, mate. Why have we got him? He's out next season. Don't worry, you won't be seeing Latifi again. No one's going to want to hear that. And he might just be like, oh, do you know what? I'll take my money back with me. Enjoy the rest of your season. So they're like, that Lavazza bag. Keep 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 paying the money, and 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 now off you go at the end of the season. See you later. But uh, yeah, Albon clear. I mean, it is good to see one the Williams fighting in the mid pack with Albon, and also good to see Albon show himself in a really good light this season because obviously he was hard done by being put to the side. I don't think he really necessarily did anything too wrong in his Red Bull days. Um, it was just unfortunate that you are compared up against Max Verstappen and <laughs> to be on that level, you have to be an elite and Albon 
Well, maybe he's shown it isn't. now. He's beaten, he's, well, I don't know. He's beaten Latifi by 1.2 seconds. So, so I don't think George Russell could ever do <laughs> sounds that. Sounds pretty elite to me. Yeah, sounds very George <laughs> Russell to me. So if you think George Russell's the goat, Aldas, then you should also think that Alex Albon. Oh, I've been lawyered. Yeah. <laughs> how that, how that happened? It's, it's, it's it, very easy. It is mad how, you know, far off the back Latifi is. Because, you know, this man this is the man who finished second in, in F2. Uh, yeah, yes, it was in his Nick third the freeze season. But, you know, he's an, F, he's an FE. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but as a DeVries but, fan, I can tell you that the DeVries, even now as a 26, 27 year old, is still very sketchy. Like, he might be a Formula E champion, but he's so inconsistent. And I do, <laughs> I, I, I like DeVries. Like, I, I actually support e him, champion. but it's, but, it's, but it's all well and good having like. You Latifi can have, could never, mate. Latifi could you, never. You can be inconsistent, right? You can be inconsistent. We saw Pastor Maldonado, prime example, right? On his day, his pace was unreal, but he would yeah. make so many mistakes during the race. He'd have yeah. so many incidents that he'd become a meme. It's like Latifi. But Latifi never, doesn't have apart, the pace. That, 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 no. that core pace. That uh, unless the conditions are changeable. We've never yeah. seen the pace in like normal conditions. Like maybe once or twice where he's got close. But even then it's like, you know, when there was a time when Albon matched Verstappen's qualifying at Suzuka in 2019 in the Red Bull. But that was only, obviously that was only because Max didn't hook up a top quality lap, which, you know, he's human. Um, I just think that I've just been really surprised by... The lack of development from Latifi. I'll be be honest, it's his third season. Last year, his best ever race, in my opinion, was not Hungary 2021, where everyone crashed out and he drove down the inside. It was Monza 2021. He actually, I think he genuinely out-qualified, he genuinely out-qualified George Russell, had a really good race and then got unlucky, I think, with a safety car or something. Um, But so I'm actually looking forward to seeing, you know, him coming back where the car hopefully will be a little bit stronger. I want to see what he can do at Monza. That was his best, you know, race, in my opinion, ever in Formula One last year. Mm So let's see what you can do. The track is not too hard because it's just straight line speed. So all you have to do is keep your foot down <laughs> on the right pedal and you're sorted. So Don't I tell know. Daniel Ricciardo fans that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good thing Matt's not here. Uh. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's it, it's frustrating, but I think, yeah, I think it's it's time to time to go for Nicholas, I'm afraid. Um, and I do fun. wonder as well how... Is the Williams really that far off the back? Because it, it's very hard to judge Alex's performance because Nick is always back there. But actually, he is getting in the midfield. Mm-hmm. He is getting fairly consistent P11, 12, 13 kind of places. Yeah. Is the Williams really that bad of a car, do you think, Hayden? It outqualified it, a McLaren really of Ricardo. It outqualified a Haas. It outqualified yeah. an Aston. Not hard to do. It also was only one tenth off of Joe's uh, Q2 time. Um, mm-hmm. And Albon was actually quicker than Joe in Q1. Um, was not far off of Alonso's uh, Q1 and Q2 time. So I wouldn't say it's that far off the pace at all because Alonso was 11.6 and Albon was 11.6 in Q1. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's that far off the back. I think Latifi... I I don't know. Maybe Latifi makes it look worse. Alex makes it look better. Maybe Alex is outperforming that car. We'd have to see when another driver comes in. It's, It's a tough benchmark to have when Latifi is so far off the pace. But yeah, at the moment, for me personally, I don't think the Williams is off the back. I think it's one of the back cars, but mm. it can get yeah, in that it's fight. Not, it's not like a Haas. It's not like a 2021 no. Haas, is it? But, um, no, no, no. All no. right, in, in, in a word, boys, before we wrap, who's in that Williams seat next year, Aldas? Go. I am going to go with Logan Sargent. That's two words I know. Sargent. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, Ricardo. I'd love to see that. I'm going to say Sergeant as well. 
because I think oh, you'll get minimum copy P5 my, just copy my answer mate unbelievable yeah, nice, nice, copy nice originality home, mate right thank you everyone for watching on YouTube like subscribe remind you at the start you better have done it already if you haven't then Hayden's going to come for you look at how fierce he looks and then everyone who's uh, listening audio only who can't Officer see how angry Officer Gullis was you can hear um, it <laughs> 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 drop a like rate five stars do all that good stuff and we will see you next monday for the italian grand prix at monza goodbye everyone ciao bye ragazzi, ragazzi.